Hello and welcome to our online campus. We are so excited that you are here today with us. For those of you that don't know me, my name is Chris Franklin and I serve as the children's pastor here at Mount Pleasant Christian Church. And you can kind of look around us and realize we are in a different place. We are in Bibleopolis where we get to impact and teach and lead your kids every single week. And I have to tell you, it is one of my favorite favorite things in life, which is living in, serving alongside awesome and amazing leaders and connecting with parents all in a kid's world. It is my favorite thing. But I also love the occasional time when I get to step out of that element and I have the opportunity to teach or lead adults or peers or all generations through the setting of preaching. So that's where we are today. One of my very favorite things about preaching is the opportunity I get to go a little bit deeper in scripture, where I get to learn a little bit more and I get to dig into things just a little bit deeper. So essentially, I'm saying this time is a little bit more about me than it is about you. Of course, I'm kidding about that, but I love the opportunity to do that because it's a great time of personal growth. So in our kids' ministry, every single month, we have a virtue or a life app, and we surround that virtue or life app with scripture, with stories from Jesus, with passages from the Bible, all kinds of stuff. And for example, one of those virtues might be all about integrity, which means doing the right thing even when no one is watching. Or perhaps it might be on patience, which we define patience as waiting for later for something that we want right now. So just a couple of days ago, all the month of April, we had the opportunity to preach and lead and teach your kids all about peace. And the way that we define peace is proving that you care more about others than you do about winning an argument. So for the previous four weekends, I, alongside some awesome and amazing leaders, some great small group leaders and other staff, have taught your kids what it means to live in peace and what it means to practice proving that you care more about people than you do about winning in argument. When it comes to kids and living in peace, most of our examples revolved around siblings, their brothers or sisters, perhaps even kids that they go to school with, or maybe even kids in their neighborhood. And when I think about finding peace and teaching peace to kids, I think a little something like this. It's me. It's mine. Nuh-uh. I'm the one who found it. Yeah, but I picked it up first. <sighs> Now that seems like a very King Solomon approach to solving a disagreement. And I can imagine as a parent, or if you've ever worked with kids, you've been tempted to have that approach with settling a dispute. So as I began to think about, pray, and contemplate, what I wanted to dig into a little bit deeper for the setting, I couldn't get away from that virtue, peace, proving that you care more about others than you do about winning an argument. I couldn't get it out of my mind because that is such a great topic for kids. Am I right? That could preach for years and years and years with kids, especially if you have more than one child at home. And I, I don't know how things worked at your house, but at our house, it was typically not met with, 
I have a disagreement and I want to meet you with compassion and I care more about you as a brother than I do about winning an argument. It was more typically, I want to be right, I want to be proven right. But there's something I couldn't get away from. And it's that we need to hear that very same virtue, peace, proving that you care more about others than you do about winning an argument. This is something we need to hear. And I'm going to get very specific. This is something we, the church, need to hear. Not just the church at large, the church of body of Christ as a whole. This is something Mount Pleasant Christian Church needs to hear. This is something everybody that's participating in our online service needs to hear. You and me, if you're with us today, need to hear this. I can assure you that as I prepared this message, I didn't have anyone in mind. I had no faces or names. But if you think I'm preaching directly at you today, you've come to the right place. Thank you for joining us for online service. Peace, proving that you care more about others than you do about winning an argument. Let me set the stage for you. I have been a part of the church since I was about three years old. In fact, I've been a part of a non-denominational Christian church just like this one since that time. I grew up and around the church. I've been on three different church staffs over the years. So I've been a part of elders meetings, congregational meetings, congregational votes, potluck dinners, outings, celebrations, vacation Bible schools, small groups, events. I've been to all of those. And during those times, most of the conversations I hear in interactions with the body of Christ is filled with love and respect and joy. But there are others. Dare I say, quite a few encounters have been the polar opposite of that experience. I have heard some of the most cruel, insensitive, and mean-spirited things come out of the mouths of the body of Christ. And oftentimes it's directed at someone else in the church or at other times directed at the church. I have seen and heard firsthand many examples of what's written in James chapter 3, verse 10, which says, Out of the same mouth come praise and cursing. My brothers, this should not be. So as I say those words, as I lay that foundation, how relevant do you think that is for us today? Peace. Proving that you care more about others than you do about winning an argument. Now, I feel like this message would have been moderately or even mildly relevant to the church a few years ago. But fast forward to now, to this time, to culture today. What do you think? We are being slammed on so many different sides all around us with incredible, incredible divisive issues all around us. And the irony of it all, this is the time that the world needs Jesus the most, or at least the potential is there for their eyes to be opened to the gospel more than any other time that I can remember since I was three years old. And instead of being a church united, we are a church divided. Divided. 
You don't think so? Let me list off a few things for you. What about politics? Republican, Democrat, elections, closed or open borders, voter ID. What about racial tensions or divisions in culture today? Are we doing enough? Are we taking a stand? Police shootings, protests, standing, kneeling, boycotts, riots. What about the coronavirus? I mean, what possible division could there be with the pandemic? Masks, no masks, vaccines, no vaccines, RSVP for worship, take the tape off of the chairs and open the doors, e-learning only, in-person learning only, quarantine, freedom versus caution, or faith versus fear. And those are just the primary three issues that I talked about. Politics, racial division, the coronavirus, they are just the surface. Now you throw all of those into a blender and you mix it in with a heavy dose that in having an opinion or conviction in culture today is the new absolute truth. And that creates a recipe for division and division in the church. Allow me to let you in on a little secret. I bet as I listed those items off, right where you are, there were a lot of head nodding. There was some head shaking. There might have been a few preach it brothers. There might have been a few you can't talk about that, you can't say that, or oh no. I would venture to say that there are not two people right now with us on the online campus that are perfectly aligned on all of those items or issues. The thing about it is there is so much more, but we simply don't have the time. And as I said earlier, the saddest part about it is that the world needs Jesus now more than ever. And it is filled with people looking for hope, looking for love, looking for acceptance. And they can't find it in the church. If there was ever a time that we, the body of Christ, if there was ever a time that Mount Pleasant Christian Church needs to hear this virtue, it's now. Peace, proving you care more about others than you do about winning an argument. And as I say these things, please don't misunderstand or mishear what I'm saying. I am not implying that many or most of those issues are not important, and I'm certainly not implying that the church or even Mount Pleasant have gotten all of them right all of the time. We have a long way to go. We have a lot of conversations that need to happen And I am not discounting the brokenness in the world today or culture around us. But I am challenging you. I am challenging the church. I am challenging myself to deeply look at how they are approached. How we handle the relationships that we have with other people. And today we're going to look at that through scripture and other examples So for our first example, we're going to do something that we don't typically do in big church, but we do in our kids' church. Each and every week, we have the opportunity in Bibleopolis, right where I am now, to teach and lead and learn a memory verse. Now we've, as adults, sure, we read the scripture. We have the opportunity to stand when we read scripture. We have all of those different things, but we lose that opportunity for a weekly or a monthly memory verse. So since I'm here and since I'm with you today, we're going to do a little throwback to Sunday school and we're going to have a memory verse. And here's the thing, this is the exact same memory verse that your kids had last month. 
And the version we're going to use today is the New International Reader's Version, so to make the language a little bit more for kids. And I'm going to read that for you right now. It says, So let us do all that we can to live in peace, and let us work hard to build up one another. And that comes from Romans chapter 14, verse 19. Now, if you would like a digital copy of that card, your host will post a link where you can download it right now. I'm going to challenge you to either print that out or keep that wherever you can. Put it in your Bible, put it in your car, put it in your pocket, wherever you need to put it as a reminder. If I'm being honest, and I guess I am, many of us might need to put that next to our computer or our mobile device, and we can unpack that in just a little bit. Now, since we don't have a whole month to unpack the virtue of peace, we only have one day, and actually, we just have a few more moments to do so, I'm going to focus on one passage. And as I dug deeper, there was so much more I wanted to dig into, but time is short, And I feel that through these verses, through this message, these principles can literally change the trajectory of our church and be seen as united in a world and a culture that is so divided. For our text today, we're going to read out of the book of Colossians, chapter 3, verses 1 through 17. So if you have your Bible or mobile device, I'm going to invite you to follow along with me. Today I'll be reading out of the New International Version. It says this, Since then you have been raised with Christ, set your heart on things above, where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Set your mind on things above, not on earthly things. For you died and your life is now hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. Put to death, therefore, whatever belongs to your earthly nature, sexual immorality, impurity, lust, evil desires, and greed, which is idolatry. Because of these, the wrath of God is coming. You used to walk in these ways in the life you once lived, but now you must rid yourself of all these things, anger, rage, malice, slander, and filthy language from your lips. Do not lie to each other, since you have taken off your old self And with it, its practices, and now have put on the new self, which is being renewed in knowledge in the image of its creator. Here there is no Greek or Jew, circumcised or uncircumcised, barbarian, scathian, slave or free, but Christ is all and is in all. Therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, clothe yourself with compassion Kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Bear with each other and forgive whatever grievances you may have with one another. Forgive as the Lord forgave you. And over all these virtues, put on love, which binds them all together in perfect unity. Let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, since as members of one body you were called to peace, and be thankful. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly as you teach and admonish one another with all wisdom, and as you sing songs, hymns, and spiritual songs with gratitude in your hearts. And whatever you do, 
whether word or deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. So for the remainder of our time today, we're going to unpack verses 15 through 17. And hopefully, after you heard all of that together, you understand why we needed to do so. But in those three verses, we can clearly see principles that could unite the church or close the gap on division, or at least the division that the outside community or our neighborhood may see. And again, all of this at a time which the world, our country, our state, our city, our neighborhood is desperately looking for hope. And they are desperately looking for answers. You know, sometimes in sermon prep, there's a tendency to force a little bit of creativity and come up with three points that have rhyming words or all start with the same letter, you know what I'm talking about. And I have nothing negative to say about that at all. In fact, I would imagine that every single sermon I've ever preached, I've done that. It gives us something that we can remember and something that we can hold on to. But as I looked at this text, I couldn't find rhyming words. I couldn't find that creativity. So we're just going to take verse by verse each of those items directly from scripture. So if you're taking notes today on a piece of paper, your mobile device, or you may have a photographic memory, this is something you're going to need to remember. Principle number one, let the peace of Christ rule in your heart. And this comes from verse 15. I'm going to say it again. Let the peace of Christ rule in your heart. And after Paul writes this, he includes a word there that he started our text today in verse 1 of chapter 13 with. He says the word since. In fact, when I read it, I almost went right by it because in the English language, we tend to just go by things that maybe had a different emphasis when it was written. And this is one of those words. And as any good Bible expositor will tell you, if something is repeated, it's important. So I got out, as I was researching this text, I got out my trusty Greek New Testament. And after being 25 years removed from taking Greek, it took me a while to find Colossians. And also the fact that at this point in my life, I need readers for a little bit of extra help. It was a bit of a struggle, but I got there and I found the word. The Greek word used for sense is the Greek word that's pronounced I, or in English it would look like E and I. But it has a different meaning than we would just kind of move right past The word means, indeed, since it is true, then also it has a very impactful emphasis on what is about to happen. So as we read it, it's like, since this happened, we're going to move on to here. But the Apostle Paul is like, indeed, since this is true, then you really need to pay attention to what's next. So at the start of it, so at the start of it, he says, indeed, since it is true, since it's true that you have been raised with Christ... You need to listen to what's coming next. So in verse 15, at this principle, it says, Let the peace of Christ rule in your heart. Indeed, since it is true, then also you are one body, and you have been called to peace. And let that peace rule in your hearts. 
The Apostle Paul uses a very, very vivid descriptor for the word rule. It is an athletic term. Essentially, he is saying, let the peace of Christ act as an umpire in your life. Let that be the decider. Let that be the arbiter, the decision maker in your life of things to come, of relationships, of disputes. Let the peace of Christ decide. So when feelings clash, when we are pulled in different directions, the peace of Christ will help keep the way of love and help the church remain as one body as it was meant to be. So sometime in June last year, when we reopened the church offices from our prior at-home office time, and as our staff looked ahead, there was one question, actually dozens, but one major question on our mind, and that is, when are we going to reopen the church for in-person worship opportunities? And as we met and talked, wouldn't you know it, not everyone had the same opinions. I know, it's really hard to believe. So it became quickly apparent in that small room that we could not even be united on all of the details. Then the thousands of people that call Mount Pleasant their church home would not be as well. So we started to plan and bounce ideas around, and many of the topics on division were ones that we had talked about earlier, but they really came to light. If we do this, then that. If we say that, then we've got to say this. And it became maddening trying to anticipate all of the things we needed to think about and plan for for something that has never happened before, or at least since any of us have been alive. So in the midst of it all, a wise young ruler said, that would be Pastor Chris. And so when you see him, make sure you let him know I called him wise and young. He said, unity does not mean uniformity. Let me say that again. Unity does not mean uniformity. In other words, being united Being on the same page, being part of one body does not mean that we are going to agree on all of the details. It is not going to look the same for everyone. It is going to be different. And did I use the last three words in verse 15? Because the Apostle Paul says, and be thankful. So we are commanded to live in peace. We are commanded to do so and to do so with thankfulness. So principle number one was let the peace of Christ rule in your heart. Principle number two is let the word of Christ dwell in you. And that comes from verse 16. Let me say that again. Let the word of Christ dwell in you. And as I read that principle and as I read that passage, I was, couldn't help but think of the words in Joshua chapter one, verse eight, When the Lord speaks to Joshua and says, Do not let this book of the law depart from your mouth, but meditate on it day and night. Focus on the word of God. Could it be, and I'm just saying, that at times we've gotten away from the word of God? Could it be that we've allowed the world around us or culture to influence how we think and how we act? So, Let's take a trip back to our memory verse from Romans chapter 14. And we're going to read a little bit more context around that memory verse to realize why it's so important. Because verse 19 is written in the context of others in the community that were eating meat. 
that some viewed as unclean. In other words, this was a non-absolute truth. This was a tradition or an opinion. And so with that in mind, we're going to read Romans chapter 14, verse 13 through 22. And I'm going to do that in the New International Version as well. And so our memory verse is going to sound a little different because this one is not the reader's version. Follow along with me on your device or your Bible if you're able. It says, Therefore, let us stop passing judgment on one another. Indeed, make up your mind not to put any stumbling block or obstacle in your brother's way. As one who is in the Lord Jesus, I am fully convinced that no food is unclean by itself. But if anyone regards something as unclean, then for him it is unclean. If your brother is distressed because of what you eat, you are no longer acting in love. Do not by your eating destroy your brother for whom Christ died. Do not allow what you consider good to be spoken of as evil. For the kingdom of God is not a matter of eating or drinking, but of righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. Because anyone who serves Christ in this way is pleasing to God and approved by men. Let us therefore make every effort to do what leads to peace and mutual edification. Do not destroy the work of God for the sake of food. All food is clean, but it is wrong for a man to eat anything that causes someone else to stumble. It is better not to eat meat or drink wine or do anything else that will cause your brother to fail. So whatever you believe about these things, keep between yourself and God. Blessed is the man who does not condemn himself by what he approves. Now how, how hard-hitting is that when you look at it in context? That very first verse, so let us stop passing judgment on one another. It seems pretty fitting for culture today. You see, for some, eating meat, not eating meat, or a certain kind of meat, was a very big deal. Dare I say for them, it was an absolute truth. However, it was a tradition or an opinion to which Paul says eating meat is neither good nor bad. It is neutral. And I love what he says in verse 20. He says, do not destroy the work of God for the sake of food. That's pretty convicting, at least it is for me. And I can see our memory verse in a whole new light. Now, if we get back to our text, if we get back to verse 16 from our, our text, it says, Let the word of, word of Christ dwell in you richly as you teach and admonish one another with all wisdom and sing songs, hymns, and spiritual songs with gratitude in your hearts to God. That verse has a lot to unpack. And the first time I went through and wrote things out, I took each one of those items and I started to unpack it. But I realized we simply don't have the time. So since we're short on time, I want to just focus on the very end of that verse, and we're going to focus on what it says there. It says, with gratitude in your heart. I can't help but think if we, the church, both individuals and one body, would approach things through the lens of gratitude. Our response to culture, and maybe even our response to each other, would be changed or modified. I know at times this is something I struggle with. So we have our action steps and principles to have the peace of Christ ruling in our heart and the word of God dwelling in us. So our third action step is this. 
principle number three, if you're taking notes, or again, if you have a photographic memory, you can commit this one to memory. Whatever you do, do it all in the name of our Lord Jesus. The Apostle Paul says, whatever you do, whatever you say, whatever you type, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus. You know, the story of the church of Colossae is an interesting one, and we know that the Apostle Paul never actually visited the church, but he was convicted to send this letter. And we, got it. we have to ask why. Was there something not quite right, but there was something that required him to intervene? Could it be this? Could the heresy of that church be that they were known for doing and saying things that were contrary to? to the gospel. I guess we just don't know. So now, can we talk about social media just for a few minutes? Thank you. We will. And I'm going to start with this. I find it fascinating that this generation, the kids and teens that are in our ministry, do not know a world and a culture without social media. But for us, and I'm going to group us as the 25-ish and up. That's the category I like to be in, right around that 25-ish Mark and up. We do know a world without social media. We have experienced it. But for the younger generation, this is all they know. If there is a disagreement, a like, a dislike, an opinion, a life experience, a vacation, a new girlfriend, a broken relationship, they all happen through social media. And then there's us, 25-ish and ups. We may remember passing notes or calling on a phone that's plugged into a wall. Or we may even remember having a super strong opinion about something and just keeping it to ourselves. Do you remember that? We have both experiences. You know, I actually remember when social media really started to gain ground. I heard about this thing called Facebook, and I'm not sure exactly when it started, but it was October of 2008, that I was introduced to Facebook, and I jumped on that bandwagon, and I got it. So I have a picture here. This is my very first post on Facebook back in October of 2008. Now, this is a picture of when I won a Fear Factor Live event at Universal Studios in Florida, and I can only assume this is two of my fans that saw the show and wanted their picture taken with me. And so that was my introduction into social media. And I remember Facebook in 2008. I remember at that time there was a section they had that was called Flare. It was a billboard you had that you could actually put buttons or different items that you just enjoyed and that you liked. And you could put up there and people would just look at that and be like, oh, that's what that individual really likes. Well, if you fast forward to... 2012, I then was introduced to the world of Instagram, and I have my very first post on Instagram, and this is a picture that was taken in 2012. It's a picture of my office. Sadly, my office looks very much the exact same as it did in 2012, and when I posted that picture in, at that time, I only had one comment on that page, and it was from my niece, Emma, who just said, hello. She was also seven at the time. I'm not exactly sure how that happened. But Emma, I do appreciate you commenting on that and being a part of it. And there were eight people that liked that picture, one of them being Mount Pleasant Christian Church. Thank you for supporting me. 
But it's a different world now, isn't it? It is a different social media world in the last whoever knows how many years than it was when those pictures were posted. In recent years, it's dark, it's discouraging, it's defeating, it's exhausting. One of the trends I've seen over the few past few years is, and I know you've seen it, someone posts, I'm taking a break from social media for an extended period of time. And if I were to guess, it's not because they're tired of seeing our flair, the buttons, or the things that we like, or pictures of our kids. It's because they're defeated, they're exhausted, they're drained. And social media today is the new platform for each and every opinion and conviction that you could possibly imagine. And you mix that all in with a heavy dose of your opinion. My opinion is the absolute truth. It creates a recipe for division, division in the church. Over the last year and a half or two, I have seen people walk away from the church because of what the church posted on social media. I've seen people walk away because of what the church didn't post on social media. I've seen people walk away because of what someone else posted about the church. I've seen people walk away because of just having an opinion about some of the things that we talked about earlier. All the while, opinions and convictions have become the new absolute truth. The world is watching. Our community is watching. Our neighborhood is watching. The same world that needs Jesus. I want to share something with you personally at the risk of sounding prideful, but please understand this is not my intention or motivation. It's this, that in the 14 or so years that I've been on social media, I have never, not one single time, made a post, a comment, or a photo or even a like about any of the things that we talked about earlier or any other number of things that can be incredibly, incredibly divisive. And the reason is, I don't want to damage my witness. I don't want to damage or hurt the reputation of the church. Most of my posts, if you've seen any of them, are kind of like this. Now... As you see, I just like to make people laugh, take a break, enjoy life. I was wearing this hat around the office and someone commented, that looks like a newborn infant hat that we send them home from the hospital. And upon further review, we, you can clearly see they are right. That's the type of things that I post. But I've had people ask me about it over the years. Chris, why don't you get on one side or the other I never see you post anything about dot, 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 dot. I give them the same answer I gave you. I don't want to damage the message of Christ that people could see through me. I love the church. I love this church. And I don't want to damage or jeopardize that body in any way. Now, I have opinions. I have convictions about most of those things. But I'm not going to die on a hill for an opinion or a conviction. If I were to stand on a mountaintop and I were to yell my opinions or passions related to such things, I would split the room. Not only would I split the room, 
I would lose half of them because we are not going to be united on all of the details. I would lose my ability to effectively pastor those that don't agree with me. I will not die on a hill for my opinion or conviction, but I will die on a hill for the gospel of Jesus. I will die on a hill for the body of Christ. In the book of 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 12, it says, The body is a unit, though it is made up of many parts, and though its parts are many, they form one body. So it is with Christ. Check out this video clip. Can I get a little peace and quiet in here? I got to be honest. It's easy to think about peace as a bubble. Ignoring the world so that you can chill out and get a little you time. Or, or maybe you think of peace as a simple agreement. You do your thing, I do mine. Then we don't have to worry about each other's problems or the ways we're different from each other. Or you might see peace as a big grand thing. General, this treaty officially ends all wars. But true peace doesn't look like any of that. True peace is messy. It takes hard work and creativity. It says, how can I listen to you first before I speak? It says, how can I learn what it's like to walk in your shoes before I try to fix it? How can we get creative to find a way through? See, when you do the hard work of making peace, others can see God at work in you. That's why making peace is an amazing way to worship God with your life. Because worship, it's about more than just singing loud. It's all about living loud. So going back to the words of a wise young ruler, Unity does not mean uniformity. How are we going to approach the differences and the brokenness around us? Let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts. Since as members of one body you were called to peace and be thankful. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly as you teach and admonish one another with all wisdom and as you sing songs, psalms, and spiritual songs with gratitude in your hearts to God. And whatever you do, in word or deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him.